It's never too early for projections. These are on three's power rankings, and we have a bowl projection to get to you today. We'll see what it says. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Hit subscribe, please. Hey, power rankings and bowl projections have started to leak out, and we're just a couple of weeks away from magazine season. Well, you know what I'm talking about. The beginning of June, Athlons and Lindy's end up on grocery store shelves, and we all thumb through them to see whatever they're saying about our chosen SEC team, specifically the Ole Miss Rebels. And there's on three and the Action Network. They're trying to beat Athlons and Lindy's to the punch. So on three came out with some power rankings that honestly are quite interesting. Here you go. This is the post-spring power rankings. They have Georgia number one, LSU two, Alabama three, Tennessee four, Ole Miss five. All right? Now, it's important to realize that what is actually happening here, because we've seen betting lines and we've seen win over-unders and power rankings and all of these come out, and they look remarkably similar if we're going to be honest about it. Georgia is the super elite team in the SEC this year. Just kind of is what it is. They are crazy elite. They're going to be number one in everything. I think their over-under win total from FanDuel is like at 11.5. There's a They're wondering as if Georgia will lose a game. That type of situation out there. LSU, I do not know if they were a flash in the pan or if they're good, but I know that Brian Kelly's good. We'll have to see how Jaden Daniels do does, but they're second. But the important thing here is through all of these wins over-unders and these power rankings – Tiers are starting to develop. And there is one elite team, and that is Georgia. They're always number one. It's just period. They're by themselves. They stand alone, for lack of a better word. And then the second tier is LSU, Alabama, and Tennessee. There are teams that are either going to compete for the SEC championship game, or if Georgia is down a little bit, maybe they can get the Georgia Bulldogs. That is the second tier of the SEC. The third tier is Ole Miss, Arkansas, Texas A&M, Kentucky, and South Carolina. Those five teams competing for essentially the New Year's Six. That is their goal moving forward. If you're looking, it's like, hey, what means these teams overachieved is probably the New Year's Six. And so Ole Miss and Arkansas and Texas A&M and Kentucky and South Carolina are all going to be fighting for that New Year's Six type berth and whether or not they can get there depends on how good of a season it is. Like, if you look at the upper end of what is a good season, that is probably the New Year's Six for those. Then you have the next tier, the fourth tier, which is Mississippi State, Auburn, Florida, and Mizzou. Um, and then the last tier is Vanderbilt, just because Vanderbilt always gets a last tier. Although, Vandy might be better than the tier that I mentioned ahead of time. But I, I, I just don't think they're the same thing at this point. But those are the power rankings from Jesse Simonton and the on three columnists and the SEC looking around the league. It's, it's kind of interesting 
to see. It, it's 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 something that I don't know. Um, Ole Miss should be very happy about because let's be real about something. If you've listened about Ole Miss football since the Texas Bowl, and granted, the Texas Bowl was a downer, right? It just is. But as we're going to see in just a second, it might be the might not be the downer that we thought it was going to be. But Ole Miss is right on the edge, right on the cusp of being a preseason favorite in the SEC. I don't know if that is Jackson Dark coming back. I don't know if that is rumors and whispers coming from everybody. But, I mean, Ole Miss might have some questions, but if they answer those questions, they have a chance to be pretty good. That's what these rankings are telling us. That's what these win totals are telling us. If they answer some of these questions, they have a chance to be really good. Now, if they don't, they have a chance to sink down to the lower half of the league. That's a possibility as well. But I think they have a chance to answer these questions, to do these things that are a little bit special to move up because as I've told you and my everydayers can attest to this 2023 we want to maximize 2023 but the reason we want to maximize 2023 is to put ourselves in the best position for the playoff in 2024 period Ole Miss wants to make a run at the playoff and if the 12 team playoff had existed for the life of the regular college football playoff, almost have made it three or four times. So it's possible. It's something that should happen, honestly. Ole Miss is right on the cusp of turning that corner into an elite SEC program, but they need to do it. They need to not yo-yo again because Ole Miss has been the ultimate yo-yo program for the entirety of my life. Up and down and up and down and up and down. And it, it it gets kind of exhausting. Every time there's something good happening, when you bring it up, it's always, gravity's always going to pull it back to earth. When Ole Miss has a really good team, such as, you know, 1991 and 92, probation was coming. 2014, 2015, probation's coming. Um, now, they've been to a Sugar Bowl twice in the last 10 years, something that hadn't happened in my lifetime. So everybody's waiting on that yo-yo to drop back down. But we'll see exactly what happens. We'll see exactly what happens. I mean, this team has a chance to be pretty good. I think Vegas thinks that it has a chance to be pretty good. Um, you're seeing national writers looking at it as the chance to be very good. It is up to us to maximize these projections. The talent's there. It's one of the, if not the most talented team in my lifetime. The talent's there. It's all about maximizing and putting that in the best position to win. We did a show yesterday on the pro football focus look at Jackson Dart and depth of passes in 2022 to give us an idea of where we are because the middle of the field, like I said, is going to be our most talented area. We need to be able to maximize that, either through Jackson or through Spencer or even through Walker. Whoever can can get the most out of that group probably should be the quarterback. They might not be, but they should be. We have a coach that makes $9 million a year. That it's his job to decide that as well. Anyway, today's show is brought to you by Built. 
If you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all these sugar and calories, then I've got the best tasting protein bar for you. It's built. you got to try this. If you're like me and you want to make healthy snack choices but you don't want to compromise on taste, I've got just the thing for you. Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing. You won't even think they're good for you. You have got to try this. What makes them so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how they do it, but these bars taste like a candy bar. And they maintain healthy, amazing macros, such as 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. And now... You don't need to wait to get your box. For years, we've been talking about putting promo code LOCKEDON15, ordering Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. Now, specialty flavors you can still order from Built.com, but head to your nearest Walmart today. Go to the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, and coconut puff. I am always going to be a fan of the double chocolate bars. Those are so good. If you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hip flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank me later if the puffs are basically like infused marshmallows, by the way. But they're pretty good. I've got a box in the fridge right now. I use it whenever I'm feeling peckish, and it is fantastic indeed. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. We're going to talk about Trey Harris and what he can provide to this offense, especially with us not knowing exactly where we stand at this point with Keon Coleman and the fact that Chris Marshall has kind of disappeared. He's gone. He's off the team. So we will talk about um, Trey Harris and the role that he has moving forward. We talked about all the skill players in the middle of the field being the focal point of the offense, or it should be, there still are some weapons on the outside, and we're going to look at Trey Harris tomorrow. All right. The first bowl projection of the season has come out. Brett McMurphy of the Action Network, um, a gambling outfit in Las Vegas, I do believe, has put out his bowl projections as well. And those bowl projections have 13 of 14 SEC teams in bowl games, which I don't know if that's mathematically possible to happen, but we'll see exactly what does happen. But the main thing that we are concerned with is this one. Ole Miss is projected to the Dukes-Mayo Bowl against Pittsburgh in Charlotte, North Carolina. Says the 2023 college football bowl projection, Brett McMurphy's early predictions and projected spreads. That's right. You heard that correctly. There's a point spread attached to this game as well. And this is something that is odd and it's got my attention as well. It has Ole Miss as a 20-point favorite over the Pittsburgh Panthers. That's right. You, you heard that correctly. A 20-point favorite, which means Ole Miss is too good for this matchup. Isn't that what this means? If you're going to look at all this thing that says Ole Miss is projected to be the fifth team in the conference and Dukes, the Dukes-Mayo Bowl at a maximum is the sixth or seventh bowl in the SEC pecking order, from year to year, Ole Miss shouldn't be in this game. Nothing against the Dukes-Mayo Bowl, nothing against Dukes-Mayo, but Ole Miss should not be in this game if they've done what they're supposed to do. I'm not a fan of this at all, and, and the line tells you 
that Ole Miss doesn't belong in this game. Now, if you look at the bowl projections out there, you see things like Auburn in the Gator Bowl. What? Really? Seriously? Texas A&M in the Citrus, I think. Then you have Alabama and LSU in the New York New Year's Six to go with Georgia in the playoff. So you got six bowls right there ahead of Duke's Mayo. I, 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 I'm having trouble getting on board with the Texas A&M stuff. I'm having trouble getting on board with the Gator Bowl. You know, the Texas Bowl is where Mississippi State is head. But like I said, there's 13 of 14 SEC teams projected at this point to go to a bowl game. That does not mean that they will all make it. That does not mean that they will be anything what we think they'll be. But that 20-point line tells me that even the Action Network knows they've got this wrong. Either that or the ACC is going to be terrible this year. If they have Ole Miss as the sixth or seventh best team in the SEC as a 20-point favorite over probably the fourth team in the ACC and has a 20-point line, the ACC is garbage this year. And I don't think the ACC is garbage. I think this is just a bad bum projection by Brett, personally. As I always say, it kind of is what it is, right? Kind of is what it is. So, that is the first bowl projection of the season. Should be interesting as well. The Texas Bowl, by the way, the Mississippi State-Texas Bowl, he had him projected to play Oklahoma. So not a big bump up as well for the Oklahoma Sooners. So we'll see exactly how that goes. They have Texas Tech in the in an Access Bowl in a New Year's, New Year's Six. I think the Cotton Bowl play in Alabama or something like that. So we'll see what that goes. But Texas Tech apparently is supposed to be fairly good. Now, I did warn everybody before the bowl game this year that Texas Tech was coached by a Texas high school legend. He's a good football coach. He's super energetic, does what he needs to do, and unsurprisingly, they're putting a decent product on the field. I told people that if Ole Miss did not show up in that bowl game, Texas Tech would pop them in the mouth. Ole Miss went there and played like a nine-year-old playing Madden, got popped in the mouth. I don't think whenever – now, the SEC and the Big Ten, they are better conferences than the rest of them. But the gap between teams are not that big. You can be gotten. You're not entitled to win just because of the SEC that is on your chest. They're going to put out twice the effort that they normally would because of that patch. Because they want the SEC scalp. They want the trophy to hang on their mantle. They want that. So you're going to get other teams' best shots. They're going to play the woe is me card. You cannot play the disrespected card if you're in the SEC or Big Ten. And you're playing outside those conferences. You are always going to be the hunted. And... Ole Miss players and Ole Miss fans needs to come to terms with that, especially now that Ole Miss football is in a better position than it has been in, well, I guess 10 years when Hugh Freeze had it going before the, everything fell apart. But in my lifetime, there's not been many periods that have been as good as this. Now, the end of the season last year was not good, but I, I consider that sabotage. I, honestly, I do. It, it was something that was – Going to happen, somebody that played it a certain way, and it just backfired. It kind of overwhelmed. 
kind of is what it is. But these bowl projections are kind of interesting. Anyway, when we come back, I'm going to tell you why I don't know if Ole Miss can do NIL and fully fund NIL for three teams, three big sports currently. And I'll explain what I'm talking about there. And it should be quite interesting. Anyway, stick around. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, upvote the video itself, and comment down below. We'd appreciate it very much. All right, NIL. This is kind of going to be our NIL update. Now, I've had people ask me on Twitter and DM me and all the time. It's like, Steve, what do you think about this player? How much money is this player getting in NIL? Have you heard his number? And when it comes to NIL, this is how I think about it. And I think this is the way most fans feel about it. I don't care. I know they have a number. I know that number needs to be met. I know that all of that is important on that side. But me personally, I don't care if Quinshawn is getting a half a million dollars, $300,000, that, that doesn't pertain to me. It, 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 it's not a reality show. It's not something like that. So I view that as none of my business. So I view NIL as the price of playing poker. I want them to handle it. I don't want to know about it. I don't care to know about it. Because um, whenever we view college sports the way we do, the way we inundate ourselves with information about our chosen team, I don't want the professionalization of our sport. It's, I don't want to know about stuff like that. I understand. I don't want to see the sausage get made, for lack of a better word. Just make it. Do what you need to do. I contribute to the Grove Collective. Jason Simmons um, from Dead Soxy has NIL socks. There's ways that people can contribute to NIL so they don't have to know about it. Because at the end of the day, while it's important, it's not as going to be important as people let on. Okay? It just isn't. Whenever prices are close, and most of the times prices are close, there's not going to be a super overbidding. There's, there, there's a market that is developing. The stuff like relationships and all that still matters. So what I care about, this is what I care about. When it comes to Ole Miss sports, I do not necessarily care what a player gets. Get it, enjoy it, live off it, do the best, be the ver best version of yourself. I don't care about the number. I don't care about players whenever they hit the transfer portal and leave Ole Miss. You've noticed I've not talked about people that have left. I'm not about players that didn't come to Ole Miss. I am about who is already here, who wants to be here, and how we can take that group of players and be the best version of ourselves. That is my view of NIL. I'm very Ole Miss-centric, and I, like I said, I root for the laundry. Just like Jerry Seinfeld said. When you think about it, you root for longer. I, I absolutely do. If a player decides he doesn't want to be at Ole Miss, I've decided that I don't care where they go. And as long as they don't go to another SEC school to where we have to see them every year, 
I genuinely really don't care. Whenever Taiwan and Davidson went to Ohio State, it was like, well, okay, good for them. That's fine. I don't have to see them again. They haven't. They don't even have to be a thought in my mind. Because I'm about who wants to win here, now, and with the group that we have. All right? So that is my personal view to NIL. And I want Ole Miss to be the best version of itself. So that takes us to an interesting problem that I think is developing at Ole Miss. Ole Miss has the least, the minimum amount of sports that you can have and be FBS or Division One in college athletics. Period. I think there's 13 sports or something like that, some small number. Most SEC schools have 17, 18, 19 sports. But Ole Miss and State, they're at 13. They're at the bare bones at the minimum. And towards the end, one thing that Ole Miss figured out is they could use that as an advantage. They could take the lower sport number and make it to where the sports they have is just as well-funded as somebody that is significantly higher than us athletic budget-wise because they have 18, 19, 20 sports, if you are following. Well, in the age of NIL, that has changed a little bit. And if you've watched the show and if you've been an everydayer for, I don't know, I think we've been doing this for about a year and a half now, you understand the way we feel about NIL and how we think that NIL is going to take the oxygen out of the room. So your capital campaigns and NIL, it's going to be competing for the same money. And as the economic downturn that we're in goes through, it's going to be harder to get and it's going to be a little bit more cutthroat than it is. The Grove Collective and the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation or Athletics Association it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. So I've said all of that to say this. Can Ole Miss fund, fully fund, three sports? Let's take our NIL collective at $10 million. Let's just say it made it up to $10 million and it's there for all sports. For Ole Miss to fully fund three sports is probably in the neighborhood of $5 million for football, Two and a half for basketball, two and a half, um, two million for baseball, and then uh, half a million dollars for everybody else. That is the way that looks. But wouldn't Ole Miss be better off if you just cut that baseball down to a million, gave that to football, maybe split it between basketball and baseball, or basketball and football? My point is, the same thing that made Ole Miss athletic budgets a little bit better shape than they were whenever pre-NIL could be the same thing that, that gives them an advantage in NIL in this modern future that we live in. Let's say you fully fund football and basketball because, in my opinion, those are the two sports that need to be fully funded. If anything takes a discount, it's going to be baseball in this situation just because the is, 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 it's a juice and squeeze argument. You can spend all of this money on baseball to have a nationally competitive baseball team. And as we saw this year, it may be off or not. It may be very yo-yo-y. Mike Bianco for 20 years was never worse than a 13 SEC lost team. 
This year they might win six the year after the national championship with a lot of the players that were national champion players. So they need to hit the transfer portal, which means they need to hit it heavy, which means they're going to take money away from Lane Kiffin, which means they're going to take money away from Chris Beard. Money's that play, sports that actually generate the revenue via TV money and everything else that allows all the other programs to exist. It's an interesting situation because if Ole Miss is going to live between 10 and $15 million, which I think they are, that's probably where they're going to live, war chest-wise, in NIL, between 10 and $15 million. You need to maximize and have a healthy portion of that for football, period. We talk all the time that 85% of Ole Miss fans would probably consider themselves Ole Miss football fans. And then 15%, just kind of all sports. Those are the diehards, the Ole Miss everything fans. But 85% of them are football only. So a lion's share of NIL money needs to go to football. That goes without saying. I'm not saying do 85% of it. But enough. I say get to $15 million and $10 million as that was football only. There's no way to play around with that. Divide the $5 million up amongst the other programs. But football needs to be taken care of. But what about basketball? When Ole Miss hired Chris Beard, that was a signal of intent by Keith Carter. And we're all for it. Everybody's excited about recruiting in basketball right now. That is probably going to come with an NIL bump as well, which means they're going to get a larger piece of the pie from the NIL budget than they were last year. Again, the sport that's going to lose out on that is baseball. So we'll see exactly what happens with Ole Miss football, Ole Miss baseball, and Ole Miss basketball. Um, Lady Rebel basketball as well. They're getting NIL money as well. We'll see exactly what to do. I mean, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. And I hope that Ole Miss figures out a way to actually do this, but they need to be smart about it. They need to be really smart about it. All right. Before I get out of here, I do want to let everybody know that um, – Jared Ivey will be hosting an elite skills camp, the Jared Ivey Elite Skills Camp, on May 27th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. in North Gwinnett High School in Georgia. That I think that's Eastern time as well. Um, if you're interested in signing up for that, if you're in the Georgia area, you have that as an option. I am trying, I think Jared is supposed to be interviewed today if technology doesn't get us. So we'll get some more information about how exactly you do it and stuff like that. But that is the Jared Ivey Elite Skills Camp, May 27th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at North Gwinnett High School in Georgia. So thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. We're going to talk about Trey Harris. We're going to continue to drill down and we're going to figure out how we can we can really program this stuff and do stuff that nobody else is doing. So hope everybody has a good time. We'll see you tomorrow. Hotty toddy.